This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. We're going to talk a lot, obviously, about Major League Baseball. The Mets, they beat the Miami Marlins today 5-3 to three for a number of reasons. Um, and, uh, and none more evident than Lindor with, uh, with four or RBIs, which, of course, uh, helped the Mets beat the Marlins 5-3. to three. A, a pretty solid pitching duel that took place and uh and and heading into this matchup you liked both pitchers walker five and two with a 288 era um and then of course uh el cantar uh and and caltra uh seven innings six hits five runs four strikeouts gave up two home runs obviously was the biggest difference maker even though heading in he had a 7 and 2 record with a 172 ERA. So obviously the Mets got the best of him. So now the Mets they sit 46 and 26 on the season, 22 and 16 away on the road. Meanwhile, the Marlins 32 and 37 with an 18 and 17 on the road. So if you played the Mets uh minus on the run line, you won obviously and that was at plus money. The over under uh, was seven and a half. So if you played the over, you were a winner tonight. So uh, so that definitely works out for you. Right now, we're still in action with the Astros and the Yankees. And this was another really good pitching matchup. Severino, as we know, heading into this matchup, four and one with a three, two, seven ERA. Verlander, an eight and three with a two, three, oh ERA. So a really, really good matchup. The over-under in this was 7.5. I took the under. Hopefully you did as well. I know we weren't on the air at that point. We just hit four minutes ago. Uh, but with, uh, with both these pitchers and, and what we've seen and, and what they've been able to do so far this season, even though Verlander actually has given up quite a few home runs. In fact, uh, Houston, um, 95 home runs on the, on the season, third best. Um, but meanwhile, for, of course, the Yankees, and we know this here in, in our own backyard, and that is this Yankees rotation, number one in Major League Baseball with a 294 ERA. So, uh, so right now, the Astros are up on the Yankees, 3-1. Uh, the, uh, the Yankees on the money line was minus 125. The over-under in this matchup was 7.5. Again, I took the under in this. I did not play a side with the Mets or the Yankees lineup, uh, or, or I should say the matchup. I did play the over-under, and I felt with both matchups, I felt like the you had four solid pitchers on the bump tonight for all teams, right? The Yankees, the Astros, the Mets, the Marlins, and so I took the under in both. Hopefully you did as well. Uh, and hopefully uh, that will continue to hit for the Astros and the Yankees. So bottom of the ninth right now, that's where it stands. Unfortunately, the Yankees, as we know, they've been kicking butt and taking names. 52-18 and 18 on the season, 30-7 and seven at home, used in 43-26 and 26 on the season, 23-15 and 15 on the road. But it looks like, again, bottom of the ninth, one out. It looks like uh, they potentially could seal the deal. It is one out, no ducks on the pond for the Yankees. So that's where it stands right now in Major League Baseball. Uh, let's take a look at what's going on with the Stanley Cup. And uh, and as we know, Colorado, they're up on the series 3-1 right now as it stands. And the end of the second period has taken place. But the Lightning are up 2-1. Now, 
Um, I've, if, if you've listened to me throughout the last few weeks, you know that I am all over this Colorado Avalanche team. I just think that they are just superior in so many ways. What are my concerns in regards to the Lightning? The fact that you have to question whether or not they still have some gas left in the tank, considering the series that the Lightning have played have gone the distance for a number of, of opponents, right? Um, and, and even though they have just been so dominant the last three years, you have to wonder whether or not they are overmatched when it comes to Colorado because Colorado is just that good. You can argue that they have the best, the best hockey player on the ice for them. Um, also, you've got Kemper with 37 saves in Game 4. He actually had, marinating that for a minute, you've got Vasilevsky, who we can say arguably, non-arguably, best goal goaltender in, in, in the NHL, but has been outperformed um, by Kemper. I think you could say that definitely in Game 4. Um, you know, you, you've got Kadri, who of course came back with some fresh legs, had not played since June 4th, came back for one game, out there again tonight. And, and this is a Colorado Avalanche team. They have outshot the Tampa Bay Lightning 145 to 111 in this series. And, and here's something that I don't feel that enough has been discussed, and that's the high altitude that this Avalanche team has been playing in, especially at home. It does give them an advantage. Um, not sure if you've been out there to Colorado, if you've been out there to Denver, if you've been out there to the, to the, as I like to call it, the West Coast, the left coast, then, you know, not sure if you've been able to experience it, but it is a thing. Um, you know, trying to, ca- trying to ca- catch your breath, trying to um, play with that type of intensity, that type of... Uh, what what the lightning need to bring to the table against the avalanche but i would imagine very difficult to do so in that type of atmosphere and altitude that they're playing at it's very difficult so um right now the lightning are up 2-1 end of the second period third period is about to start any minute i will keep you posted throughout the show but um but i was all over colorado tonight and not sure if you were or not. 800-919-3776. Would love to hear from you. Where did you go with this matchup tonight? I really felt, first of all, with with all transparency, I thought Colorado would sweep this series. That's where my money went. So, um, you know, obviously the Lightning got one at home. Avalanche came back, won the last game. Now they're back in Colorado. I just feel that they seal the deal tonight. We'll see what happens. There's one period left, and of course, if they do tie it up, we know what happens. It goes into uh, it goes into overtime. We'll see. But I'm still believing that uh, that Colorado does in the series. So right now, as it stands, let's call it up. I'm really curious. What's the line right now? So um, so if if you believe that Colorado is going to come back in the third period, possibly tie it up, maybe score two goals, go up, maybe they win in overtime. Right now, you can get the Avalanche on the money line at plus 155. Again, we've got Tom and Jacob who who are producing the show. Gentlemen, I'd love for you to chime in right now. I'm curious because I just, I love this Avalanche team. I think they're, I think they're unbelievable. They're so dominant. They've been so fun to watch. I think they're the better team on the ice. I'm curious. Right now, at plus 155, 
Are you guys putting money on the Avalanche to come back in the third period and win this and close it out and win the Stanley Cup tonight on their home ice? What do you guys say? Absolutely. I am... If I had, if I were a gambling man, I'd be putting money on that. Just what do you mean if, Tom? What do you mean if you were a gambling man? Wow, you didn't I, need to put him on a spot like that. I, 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 try, I tried it once, and it just wasn't for me. So, but I, I, I would definitely do that because I really want to see Tampa at Bay plus one fifty-five. Right, you could get the Avalanche right now at plus one fifty-five on the money line, just to straight up like win this at home, like. Uh, like I am all over this right now. I would, yeah, I would take it at plus one fifty five. You only down one goal. I can with the way they move the puck and the way they move on the ice. I could definitely see this Avalanche team scoring early in this third period, maybe. So hopefully uh, that doesn't look too bad. I might have to put a little coin on that myself. <laughs> there you go. All right, so Jacob's on board. Tom, you're like you're like if I was a gambling man, I would do it. But you're not. I'm it's on, okay. I'm on board in spirit, Anita. You're on board in spirit. I get it. I feel you. 800-919-3776. What say you? It is Weekend Wager. This is a gambling show. We're ta- we're di- it's, it's coffee talk. We're discussing this. Into the second period, heading into the third. Avalanche, in my opinion, has just been so dominant. They're so fun to watch. I think they are the better team. And right now, as we speak, you can get them at plus 155. To win this series, coming back in the third period, possibly scoring one. Obviously, they need to score two goals, hold the Lightning to two in order for for that to uh, to materialize. What say you? 800-919-3772. Also, the show, uh, we're going to be talking a lot of NFL. Why? We're just a month away from training camps opening up, and there's a lot of futures bets out there. So Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network joins us to talk about the futures bets as well as Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. And David Behrman, as always, joins us at 11 o'clock. We've got the Travelers taking place just a few miles north of us here in Connecticut. Stanley Cup, I'll I'll, I'll keep you posted. Uh, Obviously, I'm all over the Colorado Avalanche at plus 155 on the money line right now as we speak. Uh, We know that uh, the Mets, they took care of uh, the Marlins. I'll keep you posted on what happens with the Yankees and the Astros as well. Nita Marks with you, 800-919-3776. It is Week in Wager, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet, BetMGM Sports, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Talk about what's going on with the Yankees and the fact that uh, Judge just agreed to a deal uh, with uh, with the Yankees, and that's uh, that's uh, in, in in order to avoid arbitration. So what do we know about this deal? Okay, we know that the Yankees came in offering seventeen. Judge and his camp wanted twenty. They agreed to nineteen. Okay, that's great. Um, I, but here here's the thing: it's nineteen million. That's the extension for 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 the season. He also has some incentives. He's going to make two hundred fifty thousand dollars. If he if he wins the MVP this year in Major League Baseball, he's also going to win another two hundred fifty fifty thousand dollars if he wins the MVP in the World Series. Okay, we can sit here and we can anticipate and hope that the Yankees are going to make it to the World Series. Um, I think I think that's that's a good wager, by the way. Um, as we know, Judge twenty seven home runs on the season heading into this matchup, uh, fifty three RBIs. He's batting three oh four. That's his average right now. 
Um, and so I, but, but looking bigger picture here, and, and, and I know this is, this is the talk right now, and that is, you know, working out this deal with the Yankees, what does this mean for Judge and the Yankees moving forward into 2023? As we know, prior to the season starting, Cashman came out and he exposed what the Yankees offered Judge, which was seven years to 13.5. And what happened? And, and, and please, Tom and Jacob, I would love for you to, to chime in here, right? What happened? Like, if you recall, and I think, Tom, I'm not sure if you were with us here at ESPN when this was revealed, but Jacob, you and I had worked together and like, we were fielding a lot of calls like, oh, Judge is so selfish. How could he not accept that deal? It's a very lucrative deal. It's a very fair offer from the Yankees. What is he doing? What is he thinking? What an idiot, right? Like that's the, that at least if I recall, Jacob, these were the calls that we fielded when, um, when again, Brian Cashman revealed what the Yankees had offered him. But after this season and what he's been, what he's been able to do, and, you know, Buster only is, of course, part of ESPN has been on, on a number of, of shows and whatnot. And he's reporting that he thinks that, you know, Judge is going to be offered 300 plus with a number of teams. And some of those teams that have been listed, the Mets, oh, how, how, how difficult, how, how, how difficult of a pill that will be for Yankee fans to swallow if Judge does goes, goes to the Mets. The Giants, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Twins. Listen, at the end of the day, if Judge continues to play the way that he's been playing all season, keep in mind he's 30 years old. And I, I, I've, I've shared this before. So he came into the bigs around 217, 2017. So two out of the last, and, and he came up kind of late. So let's just say he has five full seasons in Major League Baseball, okay? Two of the five, only two of the five is he played more than 115 games. You want to say he's lucky this season? Fine, whatever the case may be. He has not been injured. He has not been on the I.L., which is fantastic. But he's 30 years old, and he's looking for a 10-year deal. So... Seven years is that is that around the 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 age that you don't want to go beyond because there is a drop when you get to a certain age there is a drop off let's be honest okay um you know what what judge is looking for is what ten years twenty five thirty thirty five thirty six million dollars a year. Um, it's a lot and, and, and it's a lot to offer. And, and I think sometimes we, we don't realize how old judge is because he doesn't look old. Right. And he came into the majors late. So we don't realize that he's already 30 years old. And again, just five full seasons, only two of the five has he played more than 115 games. So there's a track right, even though this season has been otherworldly for him. Only two of the five has he played more than 115 games. So I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there for, for folks to marinate. 
And I'm curious, you know, um, you know, is, is there optimism there in regard to how this whole potential arbitration was handled? I think so, right? Because reports are that Judge was angry at Cashman for revealing what was offered by the Yankees. That should have been something that should have been kept in-house, not revealed to the public, not revealed to the media, made Judge look bad. And, and I can speak firsthand because I feel that a ton of calls here on 98.70 SPN with fans that were disappointed that Judge didn't accept that deal. Was that extra motivation for the way that he's playing this season? Possibly. Are the Yankees going to regret not offering more? Maybe. Has Judge invested in himself this season? Absolutely. Once he gets his new deal, whether it's 250, 260, 275, 300, 325, whatever the deal is, will he continue to play at this, at, at this magnitude? I highly doubt it. I think this season is an outlier. 800-919-3776. We come back. Um, we'll hear from uh, Cynthia Freeland. She's going to be joining us. We'll talk about some NFL um, futures bets that are out there right now that you've got a month uh, to, to get in front of and, uh, and all the reasons why you should. Um, let, before we do, though, let's go to Tom in the Bronx. Tom, welcome in. Hey, Anita. I appreciate the sh- uh, call. Um, Hi. So I have a – how you doing? I'm great. Um, thank you. I, I have a seven-year-old daughter. Uh, okay. Day, her birthday is a day before Iron Judge. At two years old, she cheered for him as he won the home run derby. That's it. Locked in fans for life. Now, we're Yankee fans. <laughs> and I heard you say about the Mets making the offer, right? Because there's the money. But I don't know if I wouldn't go with Judge to the Mets, to be honest with you. What do you mean? What do you mean by go with Judge to the Mets? You mean like okay, so so so, I mean, so you're more you're so you're more a Judge fan than you are a Yankees fan. No, my daughter is the biggest Judge fan on the planet. And okay, that's and, I, and that's great. I'm so so if he was to go to the Mets, what you're saying is that your daughter would like abandon the Yankees and would become a Mets fan because Judge is a part of the Mets. I don't know how to tell her we're staying with the Yankees and he's in the Mets. I don't know how to, I don't know how that conversation goes. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Her points might break me, but it, I, I, I think they can match the offer. I, I think what he did was say, I'm worth $300 million. I don't know how many years that is, but I'm worth $300 million. Here's, here's, but here's, here's what my problem Here's what my problem is, Tom. Like, is he worth the $300 million? Yes, but is he worth 10 years? I don't think so. so what's, like, your, what's your worry? So, injury? Are you going to call him injury prone? Really? Uh, I mean, just how how many baseball players do you know are 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 hitting? You know, he's on pace for over sixty home runs. That's what you're paying. Like, th- you know, that's why you're anting up, right? Like, because his numbers this season. But do you expect these numbers ten years from now? I think that's unrealistic, Tom. So you know, uh. I, I just. So here's the thing. I just I, I think I think Brian Cashman, the Yankees, I think they need to get creative. I think they need to get creative. 
You know, right. like I maybe agree. maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's seven years at forty million, and oh, so then that puts you and Tom. I appreciate the phone call. Thank you. And um, I think your your daughter's adorable, adorable that she'll she'll follow she'll follow Aaron Judge wherever he goes. It's not about a Yankees thing. It's about an Aaron Judge thing. I love that. But here's the th- I just I think the Yankees need to get creative here. Right, like maybe it's um, maybe it's seven years at forty million dollars, and then like and, and then there's some options after seven years. Maybe that's what it is. I, I just, I mean, tell me, like, how many how many major league baseball players are hitting close to sixty one home runs, God knows how many RBIs, and batting three oh four at the age of forty? So why would you commit to that? Why would you commit to that? <laughs> I just, I wouldn't. He's 30. Will I commit to him for, for the next five years of his career? Absolutely. Would I commit to him for the next 10 years of his career? Hell no. Hell to the no. 800-919-3776. What say, what say you? Um, also, when we come back, Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network will join us. A lot of NFL futures bets are out there. This is what's hot right now in regard to gambling. And we dive into it with Cynthia next. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Without further ado, good friend Cynthia Freeland. You see her all over the NFL Network. She just crushes it each and every day. Joining us here on Weekend Wager. Again, uh, this is the time right now. I know we're, we're a good month away from training camps opening up, but now's the time that you want to jump on board with a lot of these futures bets. So we're thrilled to have her on the show. Cynthia, welcome in. How you doing? Woohoo! I mean, we're getting, I love a little time off, but, you know, it's funny because it's like, oh, I can't wait for the offseason. And then the offseason comes and I'm like, I can't wait for football to start. So it's, it's, it's nuts. It's going to be here before we know it. You and I have both been in this situation before. We're like, oh, okay, well, you know, the end of June, before we know it, July will be here. And we're like, what? And then, and then, and then we I have know. no lives. But um, since we're, we're on the airwaves here in New York, let's start first and foremost with the Jets and the Giants, okay? And let's start with the Jets first and foremost. Do you know that more bets have been placed in, on, in sports books for the Jets over five and a half wins than any futures bet out there? Were you aware of that? Aww. I like that. No, I didn't know that, but I like that. I like that the Jets fans are coming out and supporting their team. 
So uh, over under five and a half wins for the Jets. The over is minus 165. The under is plus 135. And I think a big reason for this, obviously, is because uh, because a lot of people feel that the Jets crushed the draft, um, which, which I believe they did. I think they did a phenomenal job. Uh, but nonetheless, here's my thing, Cynthia. They're going to have at least 13 starters that are either rookies or, or second-year players. And they've got a really difficult schedule. I mean, their first four games are against the oh, AFC North. Oh, I hate their schedule. Their schedule is just schedule. brutal. Like, I don't know what Woody did to somebody who decides schedules in the yeah. NFL, but did not do him any justice. With that being said, over under five and a half wins for the Jets. What side are you on, Cynthia? Oh, no. I think I'm uh, I'm pretty close. Like, when my models come out, it's like 5.3. So, I think that's technically an under. If I look at if I look at this, it's the schedule. It's very punishing. Makai Beckton's lack of being completely available also scares me a little bit. So you know that's the kind of thing where I you know you think about it and you're like, okay, like what are we doing here? You know, like is it going to be okay? That's a really important position. Yeah, um, you know, listen, listen, I hear you, and also not you know I don't know about like I'm not sold on Zach Wilson, like. Listen, I, I see like we see, I see peaks and valleys, right? Like I see him like, you know, the athleticism is there, the, you know, the way that he can maneuver his arm and the way that he can throw the balls there. And he's fun to watch. But like, you know, when the game's on the line, can he put the team on his shoulder pad and, and win the game? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that yet. And so I, I, jury's still out for me when it comes to Zach Wilson and again, I just think with all the, the, the youth and lack of experience and how difficult that schedule is, I'm with you. I'm on the under as well. It is minus 165. That's too much juice. I don't like laying that. I'm not going to play this. No. Um, yeah. But, um, but we're, we're on the same side there. Uh, in, in regard to the Giants, very interesting year. Like for me, it's not about win total for me this year. I'm really intrigued, Cynthia, to see how – Daniel Jones is going to to play, and I think he's going to thrive in this Brian Dable offense because I don't think people realize just how athletic uh, Daniel Jones is. So over under seven wins when it comes to the Giants. Under is minus 125. Over is plus 105. Where do you stand here? Yeah. I mean, I think I understand that uh, that's a lot of wins if you think about it. I mean, I know that this division is down, but I think the Eagles are – much better, have gotten much better. I think the Cowboys are still really, really good. Washington's confusing at best, but their team, their defense is strong. And I actually, I like Washington maybe more than other people do. So I don't know. I, I feel like that's, that's maybe a little bit, that's, that's maybe a little bit too rich for my blood too. I'm such a Debbie Downer here with the New York teams. I want them to be good. It's not a, it's not a fan thing. It's just a, it's a math thing. I, I hear you, um, you know, curious because, you know, you, you know that Buffalo Bills team extremely well. You know Brian Dable in that organization. And, and, of course, Kafka, he brings Kafka over. You know, mm-hmm. how do you think Daniel Jones is going to do? In, in, and, and, again, this isn't going to be a Buffalo Bills offense. This isn't going to be a Kafka, Kansas City offense. This is going to be a Giants offense. But you know they're going to integrate everything that, they, that, that we've seen in Buffalo and Kansas City. Like, I'm excited for it. I'm curious to get, like, what are oh, your I'm expectations? Well, my expectations are, you know how it took Josh Allen, like, not the first year, not, the, you know, it, it took a little bit to get him going. I think there's a little bit of deprogramming and reprogramming that has to happen with Daniel Jones. So when I look at Daniel Jones and I think, okay, 
This is a much improved situation. There are still some pretty significant gaps. And obviously, Saquon Barkley returning is very helpful. Let's hope he stays healthy and able to contribute to the full workload that they would expect from him. But I still am a little confused. What do you? What did they have in Buffalo that they really rely on a lot? And that's a good defense, especially defensive front. And I have a lot of questions about the Giants' defense. So it's less about Daniel Jones not looking great. I think it will. I think he will look better and better and better as the season goes on. It's not an anti-Daniel Jones take. It's a how many points are you going to have to score because there are a lot, like cornerbacks. Come on, this is this is this defense is not a Giants defense that we're used to. I hear you. I hear you. Cynthia Freeland joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. You can see her again all over the NFL Network. Let's look at week one lines that are already out. You can jump on them right now. And uh, in big, you know, the first Thursday night game, September 8th, you get the Buffalo Bills in L.A. in your backyard taking on the Rams. And Cynthia, the Bills are getting one point. Listen, I love them on the money line at minus 110. Like, I just, I just, I think the Bills are ridiculous this year. This is going to be a great Thursday night game. Um, your, your thoughts on the Bills Rams game on uh, on September eighth? I'm with you. Bills getting a point. It seems like candy, baby, something there. There's something there with mm-hmm. that. I also mm-hmm. think the news I just heard about Jalen Ramsey. And yes, he's he's supposed to be available for the season. He's supposed to be ready. But does that mean he's going to be 100%? Because the difference, I know Jalen Ramsey played pretty hurt last year, but like just how hurt does he need to be for it to really impact the game? I mean, the Rams spent all of their money. This, they spent all of the money this offseason. I can't even figure out how they got all that money to spend. But they, they, they are missing pieces. They maxed out a few people. But they do have some questions in other areas. Like, if no Jalen Ramsey or if he's not 100%, they don't have Darius Williams anymore. That's a big loss. Like, Two corners. It's hard when you have, you know, one is one is great. Don't get me wrong. Jalen's a great corner, but it's better to have two, <laughs> or you know, three, or you know, maybe more defensive. It's like you know, they they did. This is a great team with high expectations, but so are the Bills. So I, I'm with you, Bills. And Bills, I think, win it outright. I don't need to be the, the extra points. Just a nice upside for me. Here's here's one of my favorite plays, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers getting six and a half in Cincinnati week one, one o'clock kickoff. I think people are sleeping on Mitchell Dubisky. I really do. I think he wins the quarterback job. Not that I think that there's a competition, but that's what's being reported. Um, I think this offense runs through around all about Najee Harris. Um, I think this defense is going to be top 10. And, uh, and, and we've seen it before teams that have had to go the distance Cincinnati, as we know, they went to the Super Bowl, lost, it was an extended postseason for them. I, I just six and a half to me, like I'll, I'll even, I'll buy the hook. I'll, I'll buy it up to seven. Like I just, I, I, I just, I'm all about Pittsburgh. I, like, I think the Ravens win the division, but I think Pittsburgh's going to win some games this year. Your thoughts. Yeah. Pittsburgh. I mean, this is an interesting one because you have to remember that the first game out of the block it's not like the defensive coordinator has a lot of film on what's going to happen with Mitchell Trubisky in this offense, right? Mm-hmm. It could be really – like their O-line is suspect. But other than that, they have a lot of great weapons. Najee Harris is a huge difference maker. They've got a great tight end. They've got a lot of wide receivers to choose from. So I, I expect this to be a closer game than that. And, you know, I like Cincinnati a lot. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, Cincinnati also was the, on the good end of luck last year. I mean, you don't get your quarterback sacked that many times in a playoff game and and win like that just doesn't happen so you know at, at the end of the day you've got a lot of a lot of moving pieces there and then one of those moving pieces is a lot of upside for Mitchell Trubisky being a sneak attack so I think it'll be a close game maybe even won by the Steelers 
Okay, two more I want to throw your way. This one I find really interesting. Chicago Bears at home plus six and a half against the 49ers. I know you and I have talked about this before, but I've, number one, I'm curious, what are you hearing the latest with Jimmy Garoppolo? I know, I know that the, from the players' um, standpoint, what we're hearing in, in, with the 49ers is that, oh, we're expecting big things from Lance, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. But I've got quote-unquote sources, wink, wink, that are telling me that that organization is still not sure if he's ready to be a starter in the NFL. I just I love the Chicago Bears getting six and a half at home, especially if we are anticipating Trey Lance to be the starting quarterback. What say you? I think Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback there. That's a game where I think the Bears, I don't know, that Bears team is pretty bad. Like they have a lot of holes to fill and a lot of question marks in a lot of different areas. I mean, six and a half is a lot, but and at home, but I still think I think it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo week one. I, I don't know why. I don't have any intel there other than just, you know, having tracked these people for so many years. And if they're not getting rid of him yet, then I know that they excuse him from voluntary workouts, Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Man. There's something in me that says, are we seeing Jimmy Garoppolo start week one? Interesting. Interesting. Um, last but not least, there's so many games that I love here. Um, oh, where am I going to go with it? Uh, let, all right, let's, let's, let, let's go Tampa Bay and, and the Dallas Cowboys, right? It, we, we in week one, um, you know, that Sunday night, Tampa in Dallas, Tampa's getting two and a half, uh, you know, Dallas at home looking to rebound after a disappointing season last year. Um, where, how are you playing this Sunday night matchup? I think this is one where, for whatever reason, I think this is one that Tom, that Tom Brady has circled. That's like we got to start off really, really strong. This is one of those games where Tom Brady's like foot on the gas all the way down. I don't like the way our season ended last year. Let's go with this. And so I, I don't know. I think this is like one where Brady comes out there and they win by ten, just because every year the the Cowboys are so overhyped. Every year, like we're always talking about Cowboys Super Bowl, like come June, every June. <laughs> so I think you know this is one where this is one where we see. That Tom Brady, you know, some special Russell Gage scores like a 78-yard touchdown. And then we got like a running back that like does something crazy and, you know, something, something weird will happen. Like maybe it's not even Mike Evans or someone normal. It's like, you know, like I said, Russell Gage who brought in some free agency at the last minute or like whoever's a tight end now scores in some sort of like special way at the end to be like, wow, they just trounced them. She's Cynthia Freeland. She rocks. Uh, you see her all over the NFL network, and she does such a phenomenal job, and, and we're blessed to have you on our airwaves here on 98.7 ESPN. Thank you, my friend. You have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for having me. You got it. Um, a, a lot to digest, a lot to unpack. We'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Uh, you want to talk about the Giants, the Jets, that win total? I'm here for you. Curious to get your thoughts. Again, I, I just I find it fascinating, and, and I know a really big reason why so many so much money has been placed on the Jets over is because of uh, you know how phenomenal of a draft class they had. Uh, but how will that equate on the football field this season? Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Your thoughts next here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. You're listening to Weekend Wager, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. David Behrman joining us now here on 98.7 ESPN. I call him the gatekeeper of all things gambling on, uh, on, on ESPN and our chalk site. So, David, into the second period, 
Um, I took the avalanche on the puck line, as we like to call it, at plus 155. <laughs> I thought for sure they'd come back in the third period. They tied it up. I was feeling really good as well. And then, of course, uh, Tampa Bay scored another goal, and uh, and uh, and the Avalanche could not respond. So, uh, loser, loser, no chicken dinner for me tonight. So, that's uh, – I'm kind of wah, wah, wah. You can't underestimate the heart of a champion. This is a team that's won back-to-back Stanley Cups, and until uh... – so someone wins four games in seven days, four four uh, four games out of seven, seems still the champs. Yeah, I, I hear you. Did did you have a play in tonight's Stanley Cup matchup? Did you uh, yeah, a- I actually i uh, I took one of Puck Daddy's plays, the over two and a half shots by one of the uh, Colorado players that hit in the second period. So I was done. I won my bet, tailed him. And it won, but more impressively, I'm happy that I uh, went 2-0 in golf today, going out to the Travelers, and I bet two matchups, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, got to see him right in front of me, and went 2-0, and neither one was a sweat, so that was good. Okay, well, that's great. Again, the Travelers uh, happening in Connecticut, just a few miles north of us, and uh, Shoffley at the top of the leaderboard at 14 under. He shot a 63 today, really, really impressive um, a lot of dudes at nine under, which is quite a few shots back. Kisner, um, Harris English, who's looking to defend his title. Cantlay, just to name a few. Um, a dude who had a horrible round. Now listen, he shot a 70. Anybody, any Joe Schmo who sends, who shoots a 70, we're like, oh man, we're buying it. We're, you know, everybody in, in, everybody in the clubhouse around on me. I shot a 70. Not the case for worry today as he drops to eight but, under. So he tied for seventh. Uh, that who, that's who it might wasn't really, it wasn't really a horrible round. He had two bad holes because if you saw him on the front nine today and I was there watching the guy was tied with Xander at 13 under par, heading to the par 5-12 hole. Right there, tied with Xander, and he had one really atrociously bad hole. Yeah, hole, hole 12. Hole 12, he had an 8. Hole, hole 15, so an 8 on a par 4. And then hole 15, he had a 6 on a par 4 as well. So, yeah, I mean. And, and what, really, what, really, what really surprised me, I mean, we, we all have bad holes, and, and on hole 12, I, his drive went into the off-the-train tracks, and his provisional went into the thick rough. You know, crap happened. But what surprised me more than the snowman, which we've all gotten, is the double bogey on 15 was really the inexcusable one. Anybody who's gone to the Travelers, watched it, or played it, that's a short par 4. Drivable, 280-yard par 4, not drivable for me, <laughs> but drivable for these guys. Um, water comes into play and he shanked his right and then he hit it into the water on the next shot and that was a train wreck that I thought was worse than the quad because that's a hole where you've seen all week prior to 12 and the Rory we saw at the U.S. Open he can put that on and one and get an eagle that's an eagle hole and he got a six and it's hard to get a six on that hole I've actually birdied it before you know pat, my, pat myself on the back I birdied it um, that's what surprised me now Green Xander Shoffley is obviously playing better than anybody right now in this tournament. Uh, but I won't count Rory out. He's two bad holes. And without those two holes, he's tied for the lead. I know the big, big ifs. He's still five back. But that was two bad holes that have taken away from, from Rory playing outstanding for the last month. 
I, I know. Like this is a big reason why I picked Rory to win this tournament. He was my pick to win. Um, but can you know, you a, when, can, I, can I tell you a funny story on that though? Yeah. The office Thursday morning. No, sorry, Wednesday morning when our column was posted. You you had Rory, I had JT. I get to the office, and as soon as I get there, I hear JT is pulled out of the event. So I'm like, well, i got to fix the column. JT was my pick to win. So James, one of our editors, goes, well, in your JT write-up, you said you had a hard time choosing between JT and Rory, so why don't you just write Rory up? I go, well, that would make sense since I do like Rory, but Anita has Rory, and if I'm trying to get people to read this column and pay for this column, what good does it do to have two of the three writers picking the favorites within the thing? So I said, you know what? I'll give Anita Rory, Patrick Cantlay. And hey, look at us. Look at us. It's still two of the top players here live. I do have Xander as a top 20 play in the column. I think that's a little bit guaranteed. Um, but I didn't take Rory only because you took Rory, and I didn't want both of us to be on the same person. <laughs> okay well that's fair um but yeah i mean just to say like you know listen a, a big reason why i i took rory is just looking at the metrics here one of the most important metrics is was was your flat stick this week and he's been yep. unbelievable first in strokes gained uh putting uh, uh, last week at brookline so um you know that was a big reason why i i took him and yeah two bad holes not great but to come back from this far back in the history of this tournament, it's very, very hard to do. So uh, we'll see what happens the next two days. He's going to have to play exceptional golf. And you're right, Shoffley has just looked really, really phenomenal. Uh, just to show some, just just to share some odds out there. If you think Shoffley is going to win it, uh, with the fact that he's got um, a what was that five shot lead now on everybody else, uh, you can bet him at minus one ten. Cantlay, who um, who. Uh, of course, David likes is uh, plus 750 to win. Rory, who we both like, is 8-1 to one to win. Can he come back like that? Another guy that I do like is Power. You can get him to finish in the top 5 at plus 250. For him to finish in the top 10 at minus 105, I think I'm going to take those bets as well. Harris English, there's something about this track, and Harris English, he just loves it. So I'm going to throw some money on him to finish in the top 5 at plus 125. Are there, are there some other bets out there that you've seen in regard to like top five, top 10, top 20, or even some matchups that you like heading into uh, tomorrow or this weekend? Yeah, and this is why it's so important for people to realize there's more than just outrights. Obviously, we like to pick outrights. We like to give them out. We like to win. We like to cash them. But in a tournament like this where Xander Shoffley has a five-shot lead and he's rolling along with back-to-back 63s, I hope you have other things in your back pocket like some of the bets you mentioned. I'll give you some, some that I like. I really like the way Nick Hardy's playing. I know he's not a big name. He's not somebody that a lot of people know a lot about. He had a really good U.S. Open, um, and he's playing exceptionally well right now, and you can get him at plus 360 to finish in the top five and plus 150 to go in the top ten. Uh, like his matchup tomorrow, I believe his matchup, uh, Nick Hardy is playing Harry English. I know you like Harrison English, but the metrics have shown that Hardy's playing a little bit better. He's minus 105, so you can get him there. One of the other matchups that I was I was looking at is um, Matthew Naismith. I think I like him tomorrow at minus 130 versus Martin Laird. I would also take Naismith to finish in the top 10, a little bit further down the board, but you're getting plus 180 on him. And I took K.H. Lee in the column to be in the top 20. He's looking good, but I like him to finish in the top five at plus 400. The guy is a TPC guru. 
if there's a course with the letters TPC in front of it, he does well. He's won back-to-back TPC Craig Vance out in Texas, including this year. He's played Cromwell extremely well, and he's played other TPC courses well. So he is a guy that always shows up at this style of course, and he's right there a few shots back, and I like to play him at 4-1 to one to finish in the top five. Again, uh, David Behrman joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, I'd like to call him our gatekeeper of all things gambling when it comes to uh, ESPN. Um, really quick before I let you go, you know, obviously what we're seeing, David, is more and more players are leaving the PGA Tour to go join the Live Tour. Uh, but there's very few places, if any, that you can gamble on that tour. W- what do you think the future is there in regard to being able to gamble on that tour? Uh, right now, it's not regulated in most states, and I was talking to uh, a couple of people over the weekend about it. Uh, there'll be an article if you if you ESPN talk uh, next week. David Purdom is doing a piece uh, on the future of of PGA and the Live Tour and what it means in the betting community. It's just not regulated right now in a lot of states, so they're not getting a lot of action on it. Yes, more and more players seem to be leaving and going over there. But until they get a structure that is surrounded by not just 48 players going out there and playing all guaranteed to make money in it, you know, team format, non-team format, they got to come up with a structure that works, with a TV deal that works, and then get it regulated in the states. Right now, states are having a difficult time approving the books from taking action. So until books can take action on them and get regulated, you're not going to be able to bet it anywhere. I personally don't have any interest in the tour. I don't have any interest in supporting uh, where the money's coming from, nor do I have any interest in supporting the players who have decided to give up on the PGA Tour, which is a tour that you and I both love and, and have watched for years, uh, to chase the mighty dollar. And listen, I, I'm never going to fault anybody for taking care of their family and or going for a nice payday, but these aren't guys that are, you know, struggling to make ends meet when you have guys that already are worth four, five, six hundred million dollars going and playing there. So, Totally support everybody's own decision to go do what they want, but I'm firmly behind watching the PGA Tour and uh, watching it, going to it, and betting on it. And until the Live Tour figures things out, I you're not going to be able to bet it. In some places, you can't even watch it. Um, it's really, really interesting uh, what, what's happening here. I don't, I don't know about you, and I know this is you're my first opportunity to to talk about this, but. You know, to me, this is this is such a big blow to the PGA Tour. I mean, we're talking, you know, DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka. I mean, you know, um, the storylines that you and I talk about um, each and every week. It's just, um, it's it's concerning. And and I don't know about you, David, but I I think we're going to see more and more guys uh, leave the PGA Tour for live. And, and I think this is just the beginning. And, it, and, and for me, it's quite frightening because I really, I think it's, I think it's, it, I think it's, it's ruining the PGA Tour. It is frightening. And, and, and it's all for the wrong reasons. You and I grew up watching the tour, which is all about, you know, earning your paycheck. If you don't make the cut, you don't get any money. And guys who have, you know, live every day for, for, for fighting for the right spot on the PGA Tour. And, you know, Jay Monahan and company are trying to change things and get more money in there. And listen, at the end of the day, the PGA Tour can, can, can have a thousand rule changes. They can't match the money that's going on in the World Tour. Like Greg Norman and company have one thing going for them, and it seems to be an unlimited amount of money. The PGA Tour can't beat that. They have to rely on loyalty. They have to rely on the fans and an established tour and sponsors. And as long as the tour, the fans, and the sponsors aren't going anywhere – the tour will live on, but it is disconcerting 
that some of the best players in the world, namely Brooks Koepka, Brandon, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, um, Dustin Johnson, are, are going to go play another tour. We're not going to see them other than four times a year, uh, which is disappointing because we enjoy seeing them. You and I enjoy more than just four majors a year. We enjoy the WZC events. We enjoy the Arnold Palmer and the Honda Classic and the Players' Championship. And, heck, I went out there today to see Brooks Koepka, and he won there. I went out to see Bryson DeChambeau, and he wasn't there. In our, in our backyard. So it's disappointing to not see these players play on the PGA Tour, but it's what we're going to have to get used to because they have decided that playing six to eight times a year for an obscene amount of money is what they want to do. And that's obviously disappointing and, like you said, frightening for the future of the PGA Tour. Before I let you go, just to confirm, David, right, like the Masters has not made a decision whether or not that they're going to allow live tour players to play, right? That's correct, right? Nobody, none of the majors have, have declared anything. And, and to be honest, it shouldn't come as a surprise that the Open Championship and the U.S. Open allowed them to play or will allow them to play because those are open qualifying events that, that qualify. So Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and Bryson DeChambeau all qualified for the U.S. Open and the Open Championship, so they have every right to play in it. As far as the Masters, the Masters can do whatever they want. It's an invitational. They don't want to extend an invite. They won't extend an invite. They have not made that decision yet. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's good to see that, that the European Tour backed the PGA Tour up this week and saying that these guys cannot play in Scotland uh, for the Scottish Open next week. Those were not going to be allowed. Um, but we won't know what the Masters are going to do. We probably won't know until, until 2023 what the Masters is going to do. Interesting. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Really do appreciate your time as always. Uh, so with that being said, um, where's your money riding right now as we head into the weekend? Who do you think is going to win this whole thing? Uh, Xander Shoffley will hold on to win, so I'm going to cash the top 20, and I had a couple of free bets that I threw on him uh, earlier today before. We had about a three-shot lead one. Actually, it was right after Rory quadruple bogeyed. I, I put some more coin on Xander. He was about 140 at the time. Uh, 110's a fair price. You know, He's going to win this event. Right now, I'm going to be playing the I'm going to be playing the top five and ten markets. I like Cantlay to finish in the top five. I like KH Lee to finish in the top five, and a couple other guys that I mentioned, like uh, Matthew Naismith, to finish in the top ten, and possibly Nick Hardy in the top ten is where I'm going. There you go. Uh, he's uh, David Berman joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. David, have a great weekend. Good luck. You too. Thank you. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Welcome back to Week in Wager here at 98.7 ESPN, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet, BetMGM Sports. And it is about that time, right? NBA season is over. Yes, we just had the draft. We talked about it a little bit earlier on the show. Of course, uh, we've got, you know, the Stanley Cup happening right now as we speak. Um, Baseball in full effect. Yankees and Mets doing great. But it's about that time right now, especially when it comes to gambling, that we start looking forward to the NFL season. As we know, at the end of July, training camps open up, rookies uh, show up, and of course, everybody shows up at the, the last week of July. Um, August, it is really ramped up. You've got practices happening. And then, of course, as we know, before we know it, uh, September will be here before we know it. And then and then my, my golf game goes in the toilet. So <laughs> it's kind of bittersweet. But nonetheless, in regard to gambling, this is the time that we start breaking it down. So Aaron Schatz is with us now. You can see him and hear him all over ESPN. He contributes with ESPN. He's got his own site, Football Outsiders. It's amazing. Uh, really great in-depth information, not only for you to be in the know uh, for the NFL season, but also for gambling. And that's why I always like to have Aaron on with us. So Aaron, first things first, welcome in. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. It's been a good off season. I've been uh, deep in the weeds on the upcoming season, putting together our book, Football Outsiders Almanac 2022, which will be out in mid-July to preview the season. So I'm all wrapped up in the next season. The NFL may have to be a quiet part of the schedule right now, but I'm all wrapped up in it. I love it. I love it. So let's dive into it because right now, what can you gamble on? Well, week one lines are out there, but there's so many futures bets. And here's before we dive into the futures bets you really love, Aaron. Let's just, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I love futures bets, but here's the thing. You're putting a futures bet in now. You're investing that money that you're not going to see a payoff until possibly February, right? Like, right? The end of December into January, February, depending on what you, what, you know, what, what you're putting your money on. A lot of people don't like, a lot of people don't like to lose that money for that extended period of time. Right? So it's interesting. There are a number of people who don't like futures bets. I love futures bets, but, uh, but because of that, you're investing your money until you're not going to see it till 2023. There's a lot of people who don't like it. No, I totally understand because it is a long-term bet. There's no question about it. It's a lot easier to just do games and Sunday comes and then you get the payoff. But uh, the fact is I I find it easier to pick futures than it is to pick games. So it's a better bet, even though it's a longer-term bet. All right, so let's dive into it. What are some of the futures bets that Aaron Schatz really likes uh, again, from Football Outsiders. And uh, one in particular, I know you you and I, we, we were texting earlier today, so I'm going to tee up four teams uh, that you have your eye on in regard to uh, over-under win totals. And I'm, let's, let's not bury the lead, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. You like the over here, over nine wins. I'll go one step further. I put money down that the Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl at 18-1. to 1. Like... And you can get in, in, in some places you can get it at 20, 25 to one. Like this roster is just, it's sick. It's dumb. It's deep. If the roster can perform the way that I anticipate them to perform and they don't get injured. I think this is a team that can represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So I'm really curious to hear all the reasons why you like over nine wins for the Eagles this season. I mean, that's always the asterisk, right? If they can stay healthy, that's the problem with betting overs. But the fact is, this is a team 
that added a lot of talent in the offseason. Hassan Reddick getting Brandon Graham back from injury. Uh, James Bradbury on offense adding A.J. Brown is huge. Um, they've got one of the strongest offensive lines in the league. There's so many reasons to believe in the Philadelphia Eagles. They also have, based on our numbers, the easiest projected schedule in the NFL. And that is why right now in our simulations, Philadelphia comes out third in the average number of wins that they have in our simulations. That's how much our numbers like them and like their schedule. It's not that they're the third best team. It's that their schedule is going to be pretty easy. And so I really like Philadelphia to go over nine this year. Yeah, and and just looking at like you know, and, and someone's going to say, "Well, wait a minute, what do you mean easy? They play in the NFC East. Like that's a that's a, that's a competitive division." Okay, well, no, I'm still not so, I'm not still I'm not sold on Carson Wentz. Um, I really do believe that this is going to be a rebounding year. And a and and a and for me, with the, when it comes to the Giants this year, I'm looking at it's not about win total for me. For me, I want to see what what Daniel Jones is going to do in in, in Brian Dable's system, right? Like, like to me, that's that's the barometer for me when it comes to the Giants. I don't have an expectation in regards to how many wins they're going to have. Uh, the biggest competition for the Eagles is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. So let's just say, hypothetically speaking, they could go six and zero. They could go five and one. And then you've got the Lions, the Jags, the Texans, and the Bears. Oh my, you're absolutely right. This the schedule is is a cakewalk. Yeah, I mean, it's much it, Dallas. Dallas has the second easiest schedule in the league because they play a lot of the same teams, but the difference between the two of them is actually kind of substantial. And we are really not believers in the Giants this year. We have the Giants last in our projections. Long-term, I am definitely a believer in that new front office, and I'm definitely a believer in Dayball. Short-term, I am not. Right. Uh, again, Aaron Schatz joining us. Don't hate him, Giants fans, for saying that here on the airwaves in New York City. All right, uh, let's talk about another team, and, and I'm I'm really intrigued as to why you like the over here. Over eight wins for the New Orleans Saints with Jameis Winston as their quarterback. Thoughts? Two things I'm going to say. First of all, this is our number one projected defense for the Whoa. year. People still sleep on how good this defense is possibly the best secondary in the NFL. Yes, they lost Marcus Williams, but they added Marcus May and they added Tyron Matthew. Good linebackers, strong pass rush, good front. This is a really good defense. On offense, the fact is Winston has always been a slightly above average quarterback, except for the one year that he threw all those interceptions. That year really stands out on his record. But for the most part, he's been slightly above average, and he was slightly above average last year. And, yeah, it's going to be hard without Sean Payton around, but I can't imagine that suddenly Winston's going to crash out and be terrible. So if they put an average offense on the field with what we think will be one of the two or three best defenses in the league with an average schedule, that should be eight wins. Who's the defensive coordinator in New Orleans right now? It's Dennis Allen who, well, I don't know who's the actual defensive coordinator. Dennis Allen was the head, is the head coach who was the defensive coordinator and still right. it's his defense. It's his defense. Um, very, very interesting. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting you say this because they definitely give Tom Brady and the Bucks fits. That's for oh, sure. God. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm fading the Bucks and I'm fading Tom Brady this year. Uh, and a big reason why is because of the Saints and their defense and just how great they are. I mean, they they have 
<laughs> they have created the blueprint as to how to beat Tom Brady. Uh, and granted, yeah, you need those horses in your stable in order to execute the way that they do. But nonetheless, um, I, I just uh, I, I find that division to be very, very interesting. Um, over- I'm not I'm not, not fading the Bucks, by the way. So I don't like the Saints to win their division, but I do like them to go over eight. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I'm not saying the Saints are going to win the division. I just um, I, I just I, I don't I don't think the Bucks are going to just dominate like they have a year the, the past two years that Tom Brady has been there. Again, just my two cents. Let's talk about the Texans. This is another team. You've got the over four and a half. Here's what my problem is. It's not like this team has done much to give Davis Mills. I hear they love Davis Mills, but they haven't given him much to work with. I mean, you know, his number one wide receiver is going to be Brandon Cooks, right? Yeah, well, Brandon Cooks is still a star, should be a star. But look, everything with the Texans, especially on defense, if you look at their roster and you look at the performance, you're like, that's really closer to mediocre than it is to terrible. Like adding Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison to their pass rush, adding Steven Nelson, the rookies in their secondary, Pitre and Stingley. Um, you, you look at all of the units on this team and you're like, that's really closer to mediocre than it is to terrible. And they're going to have one of the easier schedules in the league. And I just think they can go over four and a half. Four and a half is a really low number for a team that had the second best rookie quarterback last year. I mean, you know, in the long term, will he be the second best quarterback in that class? No, because Lawrence is going to be way better than he was last year. But, uh, you know, a quarterback who's a little underrated and a defense that's a bit underrated. And this does not mean they're going to be a good team. But they're just kind of, and you know, just kind of wins more than four and a half games. It wins six games. I like that. I'm going to have to use that. What do you think about the Texans, Anita? Eh, But they're going to win over four and a half games. Uh, Last but not least, let's talk about the Cardinals. You like the under here at nine. I'm with you, right? Like, um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to be available for the first few weeks. Uh, you've got you've got the front office and uh, and Murray who uh, are at odds right now. Um, you know uh, uh, you you've got the Rams who I think are going to dominate that division. It's a very competitive NFC. They're going to have to win games in order to get in as a wild card. I, I'm with you. I, I like the under here. What are all the reasons why you are on the under for the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, everything you just said about the offense. I'm going to add to that. This defense has been much better than the talent that's actually on the field. Like, it, when you look at the actual talent on defense, this defense should not have been as good as it was last year, and I don't think it's going to be as good this year. You look at the secondary, other than Buda Baker, like, who are these dudes? Marco Wilson, Byron Murphy, you know, okay, but, you know, with the tragic death of Jeff Gladney, it means that they're now going to have to start a guy named Antonio Hamilton who's basically bounced around the league, was an undrafted free agent, that's not a starting outside cornerback. And they also have one of the five hardest projected schedules in the league by our numbers. So when you put that all together, I definitely see Arizona going under nine wins. Again, uh, Aaron Schatz joining us here from Football Outsiders. Uh, make sure you follow him on all things social media. And uh, they're going to have the, uh, their, uh, their in-depth analysis of all 32 teams coming out soon. So you definitely want to stay on 
on top of that. Um, I will say this before I let you go. I was totally with you with the Eagles. Here's another team that I think is flying under the radar that I don't think enough people are giving enough credit to. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Aaron. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, I think the Ravens win the division, but I think people are sleeping on Mitchell Trubisky. I think he wins, you know, the alleged quarterback competition that's out there right now. Um, The offense is going to run around Najee Harris. Um, You know, I like the Pixins pick. I think their wide receiving core is good. Fryer Muth coming into his second year. Top 10 offensive line. Top 10 defense. I, I, I I just think people just are still looking at Trubisky as that quarterback from the Chicago Bears and not the quarterback that possibly grew developed in Buffalo behind Josh Allen and working with Brian Dable. Agree or disagree with me? I agree with you about the defense. We have them projected to rebound and be very good. I disagree with you about the offensive line. It is not a top 10 offensive line anymore. I think Trubisky is going to win the job. I don't think he's going to be very good. But I think that with their defense playing well, they are going to be roughly a 500 team. Uh, They do have the hardest projected schedule by our numbers. Pittsburgh has the hardest projected schedule in the league, and that does drag them down a little bit. So even if they're a little bit of an above-average team with their defense playing well, they're going to get dragged down a little bit by their schedule. I'm not sure what their over-under number is now, so I don't know if I would go over-under, but we have them at about an average. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.